Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it is Dave Neal. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the SAP, the Sex Actually podcast. Listen, folks, you guys know me. Six years straight of recording an episode every week. And uh, the pandemic didn't slow me down. Uh, but I'll tell you what did slow me down, moving to a new place. I tried my best. We just didn't get an episode up last week. I truly apologize to you guys. Here's the deal. Life has been insane. And I know what they say. There's always enough time in the day to do whatever you need to do. Maybe, maybe. But we were on a roller coaster ending the Bachelor season. The YouTube channel had completely blown up and was receiving a quarter million views every two days. Uh, and now we're a week after the finale of The Bachelor, and instead of getting 250,000 views every two days, we're getting about 70,000 views every two days. So we've fall, we, what is that, One a quarter basically, a quarter of the size. So anyway, folks, we're kind of back down to normal in our, um, our, in, our uh, in between season lull. And uh, I just need to tell you, yeah, there's something about this move that I went on has been very tough to just maintain a schedule because we don't have a lot of our equipment set up. We don't have an outdoor space yet. What we're going to do is we, Tasha and I, are going to have a backyard recording studio, which I think will be very nice. The only problem is going to be some sound issues and then the heat. Now, where we move to is just a few minutes away, just a few miles from my old place, but it's a little bit farther east. And when you're going off of the coast in Los Angeles, the temperature can literally go from 70 degrees on the beach to 85 degrees in Hollywood to about 105 degrees in the valley. So we're somewhere between Hollywood and the valley. So anyway, uh, it's going to get a little hot out there. So I'm going to have to time the uh, the podcast out to uh, do it on the right time of day with a nice umbrella. But that's the goal. The goal is we're going to have a bar top recording studio. So it'll be like a nice circular table. And in the center of that bar has a uh, little fire pit. So you know me, I'm always trying to complicate things. We're going to have a nice little fire pit out there. So anyway, my, the point of all that is, uh, is just to say I am sorry for um, not getting an episode out last week and trying to get a little bit more regular with the content. Once, once we've got this thing set up, I'm going to have several cameras going. It's going to be a blast. This episode is audio only for all of my regular podcast listeners, except the Patreon members have a video version of this. I am streaming this just to the Patreon members. So if you want to watch this video or support me otherwise, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash the sap. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash T-H-E-S-A-P. Now, today's episode, I want to talk about warmth and competence. And if you are watching on the video version, I'll have this little chart pulled up that I'll be referencing right now, which isn't the best. Sometimes the best articles and the best info on the internet is the are the ones with the least amount of bells and whistles. You know what I mean? Like, like I can't tell you how often I've, I stumble upon... Uh, by the way, my search history is weird because on one end I'll have like, uh, you know, nude photo and so on. You know, if there's ever like a leak, I'm like Googling it. I'm like, oh yeah, so-and-so, uh, you know, slipped a nipple in Cabo. And then all of a sudden I'll go from that into then and the next thing I'll be looking at is like a, uh, you know, a... Um, 
some sort of research paper from some, you know, Princeton University on warmth and competence. And I'm like, okay, well, that's very uh, educated and well-balanced uh, browser history. Uh, that would be a great show if you just did a man on the street show where you stole someone, you, you, you were able to hack into someone's browser history right away. I've always said that browser history and your Spotify playlist can tell you a lot about someone. Because I've been listening to way too much Outcast and LMFAO lately. If I need to go for a run, the only thing that can get my white ass over that hill is some LMFAO. I got a party rocket. I don't know what it is. If you don't understand who LMFAO is, you're too young. For a very specific year, they were like the spring break gods and maybe the uh, late 2000s, 2008, 2009. I could be wrong. I don't know the date. Anyway, so yeah, today we'll talk about warmth and competence. It kind of, uh, warmth and competence kind of blends together my two different worlds. I've got my world of stand-up comedy, which I love, and then I've got my world of just relating to you guys, to an audience on YouTube, to the podcast, uh, wanting the world to just be a little bit uh, kinder to each other. I don't think those two things need to be mutually exclusive, but sometimes I do worry about like, you know, I'll get some, I'll get inside the base, inside baseball with you guys. So with the YouTube a lot of the content that's been going viral for me in the last year has been a lot of stuff based on the human condition. Of course, I recap The Bachelor. So whenever something's going on, I talk about it. Of course, in this summer, last summer, the video that became my like biggest viewed video of all time was about Colton Underwood stalking Cassie Randolph. Now they dated and he... Um, was accused and um, of planting a tracking device on her car. Uh, the whole the whole lawsuit settled out of court, uh, which makes you think uh, he probably paid her a big settlement because they haven't spoken about the matter. She never sort of said it, he was innocent. He never said he was innocent. It was kind of a real mess. But I talked about it because while it's insane to think someone could place a tracking device on someone else's car, we track each other all the time on social media. We already play with the fire. We just aren't getting burned. Like what, like people, you know, you're breaking up with someone or you're getting ghosted on. You know, I remember a scenario in which I was getting ghosted on and I'd go on to her and she wasn't she wasn't big on social media. So I'd like, I'd like check out her Facebook, no post, check out her Instagram, no post. And then I'd be like, all right, I guess she just disappeared on me. You know, like, am I blocked? What's the deal? Like I never was crazy enough. I had a roommate who did this who would like create a second account to see what people were doing without them knowing it was him. I always thought that was kind of crazy. But there's varying stages. There's a spectrum of what people will do to try to figure out why they're not loved or to try to figure out or to try to communicate with others if they don't feel like they're getting the answers they should. It doesn't make it right, but it does exist. So, I, so by talking about issues like that, you know, I've always said this, like as a guy... I'm in an I'm in a very oversaturated market with stand up and YouTube. A lot of a lot of white dudes do comedy and therefore there's a lot of white dudes to choose from. It's nearly impossible. Like my friends that were in comedy festivals tell me they're like, look, don't even submit. You know how many white comedians are out there? It doesn't mean I'm any less funny than somebody else. It just means the market is just so saturated. So you kind of have to carve out your own market. Now with YouTube, you know, recapping The Bachelor, not many guys do it. It's a, you know, my audience is about 85% women. So I'm able to, you know, you, you can you can just see like there's almost like a little bit of a market opportunity for a guy to share his opinion. So of course I've done this for six years. But now to share my opinion on 
stalking to share my opinion on toxic love and purity culture and all the things that I think, codependency, all the things that I think went into the Colton Underwood situation to share all of that. Um, I think for some crazy reason to me, it was very refreshing for women to hear a guy talk about it. And I don't think guys don't want to talk about these things. I just think let's, it's like, look, if I didn't place this tracking device in someone's car, you know, what do I have to worry about it? And the idea that women have had to deal with this sort of power dynamic where men can won't take no for an answer, that can come in different forms through stalking, through, you know, just a suggestive, suggestive co- coercion. Uh, coer- coercion. <laughs> Jeez, I can't even talk right now. I take one week off. I can't say coercion. Uh, you know, not taking no for an answer. And and what what we all want in life is to come off w- with with that warmth and understanding that we're doing the best we can. But so many things tribally get in our way, our defensiveness, um, our nervousness. So many times a guy might get rejected at a bar because he'll go, if you can't go up to somebody, be super nervous and expect them to trust that you're going to take charge of this relationship. Uh, if, if, you know, you, you, how many times, you know, do you crash and burn because you came off wrong in the initial part of a conversation and they say first impression is so important. And it's like, well, yeah, I mean, people make a lot of snap decisions on their first impression. And women, for the most part, I'm not saying it's life or death, but it can be. It can literally be life or death for a woman to make that snap decision about you. I was having this conversation with Tasha yesterday because um, someone posted one of my videos on Reddit. Um, and it's really cool when people will promote, you know, that's one of the beauties of like the the, bet, the more you start creating and getting some success, people will start doing all of the hard work for you. Like people will start promoting my stuff and sharing it. And it comes off a lot better when somebody else shares it because it's like not self-promotion. So someone shared my video and then someone in the comment section said, nope, not going to listen. They they literally prejudged me based off of the thumbnail of my face, like the only face that I have. And I was like, do I look like a, your ex-boyfriend or something? Like, what what is it about me? And, you know, and I told that to Tasha and Tasha was like, look, some people, they're a little skeptical of men. They're skeptical of like what you're doing, where you're at, why you're here. And that's just something you have to live with that you might be a nice guy, but somebody might have a prior experience with somebody like, like say, um, you know, like, uh, growing up in high school, I was a big hugger. I I hugged everyone. And, And for the most part, everyone hugged me too. Like it wasn't like I was just running around being the weird smelly kid hugging people. It was, that was kind of what you did. Everyone was hugging, but every, but you know, it doesn't mean, you know, some people might have a real hard time with that level of, I would call it friendliness or whatever. Uh, you know, obviously people cross the line. You look at like uh, Governor Cuomo in New York. He's accused by nine women of just being slimy and gross and forcing kisses. And and he's kind of like, well, you know, I'm trying to comfort people. And it's like, well, you know, read the room. And that's what it comes down to is reading the room, knowing what is warmth, knowing what is well-received versus like when to back off. And that, that's not always as easy as people would say. People go, and again, I'm not making excuses for Cuomo or for anybody, but some people think they're coming off one way and they're actually coming off another. And I think we can all agree that we want to come off 
as best as possible with, with regards to job interviews, your dating life. And for me, with stand-up comedy, I relate it to that because the second I get on stage, I got to show an audience that I'm going to be trustworthy in the sense that I'm going to be funny and I have to show them I'm going to be warm, warm, you know, and not be a prick. And you can be a prick on stage, but you still have to be a prick that people root for. It's almost like a complex character, like like a tragic, um, you know, protagonist in a movie, a character that, you know, they, they've got... I'm going to tie this all together, folks, so just hang in here. In movies, there's a saying called the save the cat moment, and it's the moment, usually in the first act of a movie, where the audience builds a bond with the protagonist, the hero of the story. And they call it a save the cat moment because you could have, say, like a, um, you know, you could have like a convicted, you know, you could have a convict just getting released from prison and you think, oh, we're not going to like this guy. This is a dangerous guy. And then all of a sudden there's a drug deal going on. He walks past the drug deal and you're like, okay, he's not doing drugs anymore. And then all of a sudden he's, uh, he sees a cat stuck in a tree and he, uh, you know, grabs some dumpster, turns it upside down, climbs the dumpster and then saves the cat. That's the save the cat moment where the audience gets to go, oh, okay. He's, a good guy. This is a good guy. Now we're going to root for him. I mean, how often in movies, the best types of movies are the ones where you don't even know why you're rooting for someone. You're like, I don't know why I'm rooting for this guy, but I am. And that's a complex character. And we are as humans complex. So we should be rooting for each other, but we have to do so in a way where we understand how we're coming off to others. And that is through warmth and competence. You can be the warmest stand-up comedian of all time. You can be super likable, super happy on stage. If you don't have competence, which would be jokes, if you don't have funny, then you're just going to be warm. You can be super competent and have jokes, but if you don't relate to the audience, you're just going to be competent with no warmth. And let's let's discuss the different types. You can probably apply this to whatever it is you do in life. Um, you know, you could like there's there's plenty of job types that um, that will have different traits. Like engineers might be known more for their competence than their warmth. Doesn't mean you can't have both. It just means that you know maybe they think with a certain type of personality that might be you know different from a bartender who might have all the warmth in the world. But if a bartender can't make your drink, he doesn't have the competence there. What's the point? All right, so warmth and competence. This is an article from changingminds.org. I'll post a link in the description somewhere. Um, it says, when we evaluate other people or groups, two dimensions we often use are warmth and competence. From this evaluation, we then adopt one of four emotions. So depending on the, the four combinations of warmth and competence, meaning you're both warm and competent, cold and competent, warm and incompetent, or warm and, con or w warm and incompetent. Did I say that right? There's four different uh, emotions, admiration, pity, envy, or contempt. Admiration being when you're warm and competent, people admire you. When you're cold and incompetent, that's called contempt. When you're incompetent and cold, it's pity. And when you're competent and cold, it's envy. All right. So that might not have made too much sense so far, but let's just go through it again. I'm no expert on any of this. I just like to think about it. It's fun stuff. It's fun stuff. So warmth, a warm person. And by the way, I'll say this with the pandemic, very hard to be warmth, warm, very hard to be warm with a mask on. 
you know, you might find yourself doing the, the hand palms to palm prayer to people, you know, people will find, people will find ways to adapt, to be warm, to show others that they, that they mean well, that they show peace. And that's kind of hard to do when we've done that by smashing, by, uh, you know, smiling and having certain techniques that we no longer have it. It's, it's, it's complicated. It's very complicated, but we have to adapt. So warmth, a warm person is friendly towards other people, respecting them and caring for them. With such warmth, they create a reciprocal liking, trust, and bonding. In contrast, a cold person has a lot more difficulty in gaining sympathy from others and perhaps does not care about this. By holding themselves separate, it seems they consider themselves superior, leading others to limit their trust and care about them. In stereotyping, groups are variously considered warm or cold. Business leaders, for example, are often are often considered cold. Outgroup people in general are often considered colder than in-group people. I don't know what that means, outgroup. Let's hold on. Let me let me look that up. What does outgroup mean? Do you guys know these terms? Outgroup homogeneity. We tend to classify people who are not in our in-group as being similar to one another. They're all like that is a common reference term. In contrast, we see people in out in-group as being more individual. That's complicated. We thus tend to use a set of stereotypes for people from different countries, cities, and companies. These generalizations lead us to discriminate uniformly towards people from these groups. Okay, so somebody who's not like you. So if you work in sales, then maybe the person who's in the out group would be someone who works in IT. When visiting a new country or group, the behavior of the first few people we meet will quickly be used to create a stereotype of the others in the same group. Much of the fighting around the world is based on differences of religion. Zealots cast the other side as jointly and severally guilty, severely guilty for the sins of their peers and equally likely to commit the same acts of war. Thus, genocide seems the only answer as they blindly fight on. All right, so outgroup. So this is, this is where it can become very dangerous to treat others as if they are not like you. That's why wars are fought when you, when you think others are not like you. It's, only, it's the opposite of having empathy for someone. All right, so competence. Moderating warmth is the extent to which we see others as competent. If a person is seen as competent, then this is some reason to admire them, perhaps grudgingly. So in, when, in comedy, that's like when you see another co co comedian do well, you can kind of like, you admire them, but like, ugh, this, fuck, this, this guy over here is crushing. Yeah, he's doing great. Yuck. Because it kind of like sets the bar high. Competence is often used when assessing stereotypes in groups. For example, where lower social classes are considered to be in their situation more because of incompetence than other factors. All right, I'm going to read that one time. Competence is often used when assessing st stereotypes in groups. For example, where lower social classes are considered to be in their situation more because of incompetence than other factors. That sentence doesn't even make sense. So basically, if you think of other people as lesser than based on their lack of competence, if if they are in a lower social group. Warmth and competence equals admiration. As I mentioned, if you have both warmth and competence, it's admiration. Both warmth and competence are both factors that we like. And so it is easy to admire people who have both. Competence can be seen as something of a natural gift, but we feel that nice people are deserving of such abilities. And so we do not begrudge them their talent. Okay, so warmth and competence is when you give someone the benefit of the doubt for their success because you understand they're warm and likable. Oh, I'm happy for Joe. He's a good guy. Oh, you got that success and he's a good guy? That's like when somebody wins an Oscar. You're like, oh, Leo DiCaprio. We've always liked Leo DiCaprio. He's never won an Oscar. That's great. He works really hard for it. We admire him versus someone who just like, you know, I don't know, maybe that's a bad example. So warmth and incompetent. 
is pity. The emotion we feel to someone who's warm and incompetent is pity, which by the way, plenty of people have pitied me in my day. I'll go on stage, you know, being all warm, being all, you know, being all, uh, you know, like positive and warm without any good jokes. That's called bombing. People are like, oh, they feel bad for me. We like warm people and so consider them deserving. When they show a lack of competence, we therefore do not feel bad about them. Rather, we feel a sense of pity that they do not have the ability that perhaps they deserve. I feel like this is what you get from, in like the dating world, I feel like this would be like when you when you get put in the friend zone. It's like, well, I like him, but like he doesn't know how to like talk to me in a way that's going to rile up my emotions. So you feel pity for someone because you're like, I like them, but no, I don't think so. So that would be like when you have the incompetence of, you know, of a, of a, you know, showing that sexual attraction with someone. The nice guy syndrome. I'm just relating that. It doesn't say that, but that makes sense to me. It's easy to feel superior to people who appear incompetent, and sometimes we see them as such uh, as such as much for the comfort it gives us as really understanding their competence. For those who find it difficult to admire others, pity is a more acceptable alternative. So basically, if you think someone is likable, but you don't trust them, then you pity them. Cold and competent. So envy is the emotion you feel to somebody who is cold and competent. When a person is cold and seems unfriendly, then it is easier to not like them, classifying them as bad in some way. Yet when they are competent, they demand some kind of respect for this, which leads to a rather conflicted view of them. If we cannot frame them as incompetent, all that is left is seething envy. So it's like if you can't knock someone down, if someone's successful and you don't like them, you might envy them because you're like, dang, I don't like this person. They're not friendly. So therefore, I don't think they deserve this. But boy, are they good. You know, cold and incompetent equals contempt. So this is if you neither possess the ability to be warm and you don't possess competence. This is contempt. A person who is cold may be seen as bad or wrong in some way. If they are also incompetent, this may trigger secret delight that they can hence be classified as wholly inferior, allowing us to look down on them in contempt. Contempt is one of the most socially unfriendly emotions as it rejects the other person outright. Fascinating. So even like even if we think we're like some evolved people, it's 2021. We think, uh, you know, we got all of our things together. We still resort naturally back to these hierarchies where we want to surround ourselves with people of like-minded energy and we also want to be better than somebody else. It's just good to know that it's just like a safety thing. All right, I'm doing better than that person. It's like the older you get, you just think of some, you know, you start comparing yourself to where other people are at your age and then you start to look to be like, well, I'm not that millionaire that my buddy became, but I'm doing better than Joe Schmo over there. If you want people to admire you, be both warm towards them and ensure you are truly competent in what you do. Avoiding lies and bluster. In evaluating others, be careful of the automatic conclusions around warmth and competence. Take time to truly understand them rather than quickly classifying and dismissing them. This is something I have personally struggled with for a long time. And look, I bet we all have. I really do. I bet we all have. I will judge people, 
you know, based off of my initial thoughts of them. And some of my best friends, I really didn't like when I met them. Some of them, I was kind of like either like scoping them out, not necessarily jealous, but like, where do I stand with this person? And then we became good friends. So I'm, I'm personally guilty of like being very guarded when I, when I meet people that might, might become new friends, but it's very, it's very easy for me to look at warmth and competence. And like, I think of my stepdad, he's very warm. Everyone loves him. He's a great, you know, social guy. He'll talk about anything. And when it comes to what he does, which is work in construction, he's very competent. So you admire him. This is a, he owns a business. He's, he knows everything about the specific business he works in. And he's a likable guy. So who wouldn't be happy for him? Um, let's look at um, someone who is warm and incompetent. No, no, no. Let's look at someone who is cold and incompetent. Cold and competent. Um, to tie this back to Bachelor Nation, there's a guy named Nick Vile. I'm showing him on the Patreon right now. I'm showing his Instagram. He seems like a nice guy. He was on the show like four or five times. He's got a girlfriend now. He's got a podcast. If you don't know Bachelor, you might not know him. But if you do know Bachelor, he is a staple. He has, he has found a way. You know, every season's got 25 contestants. So that's 50 a year between Bachelor and Bachelorette. He has found a way over the years to stay relevant within the show and to voice his opinions and this and that. Well, some people that I know in my chat that I do my live stream have said, oh, I've been a waiter and I've served him. He's an asshole. And then I've pushed back on that and said, well, what we know about this guy, because we've watched them on TV, we see how they're edited, but also like, I've kind of seen this guy, I've, uh, I've kind of, uh, you know, seen him just in Los Angeles, you know, I've, I've, uh, you know, just dr driving by, I've seen him on a scooter and things like that. And you go, okay, this is a guy just living his life. He worked in sales or whatever he did beforehand, but I see, you know, he, I know he's introverted. So I go, all right, as an introvert, I'm wondering if he doesn't come off as warm as others because he's maybe overthinking things. Maybe he's just not thinking. Maybe he's not trying to be likable. And that can be the case too, where you're just not trying to be likable. So let me search this. I haven't searched introverted, introvert, warmth, and competence. And I'm sure depending on your personality type, and there's... Um, I'm sure that depending on your personality type, there's different ways to sort of overcome like the type that you are. Like there's no, like, like put it this way. There's no problem in being an introvert, but if you're coming off as cold, then you do have a problem because someone's not going to trust you to the levels where they could. If you don't take whatever steps you need to take as an introvert, um, to, to move to that next level. So I hope that that makes sense. Like if you're in a job interview, you know, it doesn't mean, I'm not saying that introverts are like not able to, you know, have the same sociability as extroverts. The only real difference I know between introverts and extroverts is that an introvert um, will gain their energy from being alone while an extrovert gains their energy from being with others. And of course, I think most of us fall somewhere in between. But um the idea that someone could, you know, be judged for how they act when not, when they're not necessarily, when they, don't, when you're, when you don't know that you're watching them could be interesting. Like I, if, if someone, 
you know, if I'm running with my headphones on and someone says like, hey, Dave, how are you? And I just like nod to them and I don't recognize who they are or whatever, I could very well look like a cold person where I don't feel like I'm that way. So, and it's not about being a people pleaser where you're always trying to please others. It's about knowing that when you're in a certain situation, how to turn on different aspects of who you might be in a way that shows somebody else why you should be warm. Does that make sense? So let me... um. Let me play over here a few. There's a few, uh, there's a cool little uh, article I found called How to Be the Most Likable Person in the Room. Because that's kind of what this comes down to. Likable does not always mean the, you know, the smartest. But sometimes the most likable person will get the job. Sometimes the most likable person will get the girl or the guy or whatever. Because there's a skill set there. Like this person is going to uh, be somebody who goes along on the journey with me you know i i don't think i think i think attraction is a decent uh indicator of like i think intelligence is a decent indicator of attraction like you want someone who's smart they're going to adapt to situations that's like the modern you know provider way is someone who's intelligent but at the same time if you're intelligent but can't read a room you're almost a liability at some point so let's check out this Forbes article, how to be the most likable person in the room. And we'll see how that relates to warmth and competence. I'm having a hard time over here. Just hold on a second while I, I'm trying to um, get this set up for my uh, live streamers over there. Hold on, folks. Yeah, so so uh, the idea that, you know, I, I'm not, you know, the fact that I'm not classically trained with any of this, it's just like I'm, I'm willing to look at this and use every tool in the tool book that I can. So whether we're talking about warmth and competence or being likable, it all kind of seems like it's all, you know, relevant for putting your best self out there. Um, it's an inconvenient truth, but being likable makes life significantly easier. This doesn't mean that you sacrifice your values, core beliefs, or sanity to get along with anybody, with absolutely everyone. It does, however, mean you know how to behave in a way that makes you not only able to connect with others, but to be seen as trustworthy and dependable. That's so funny. They use the term trustworthy and dependable, and we've been talking about warmth and competence. Uh, if you're competent, people will trust you. If you're warm, they might depend on you. Fortunately, being likable is a skill you can develop over time, not something you either innately possess or don't. Here are a few tricks to help you get started. So here are some tricks to be likable. So you accompany, you accompany this with the, uh, the thoughts of warmth and competence, and when you shine a light on whatever your shortcomings might be, you can really begin to improve when you realize, oh, like like with stand-up comedy, I if, if I struggle with coming across as a likable guy, why don't I go on stage and laugh while I start my set? Why don't I laugh at whatever the previous host says and come, so, so it sounds like this is very specific like stuff I'm talking about, but sometimes you'll go on stage and you're just like thinking on the uh, in your head of like, what's my first line going to be? So then you deliver your line as if you look like you've been studying for your SATs. And you have to be so competent in your material that you can release yourself from like needing to be like all worried about it. And you can be warm. And they go hand in hand. And think of that if you're going to be at a, you know, at a, at, you know, if you meet, make eye contact with somebody and you want to go up to them and talk to them. If you're so confident in yourself, 
you have that competence. Like, oh, I know, I know I'm worthwhile. I've got a good job. I've got people that love me. I know I'm worthwhile. And then you can bring the warmth and be like, hey, nice weather out there today, isn't it? And you don't have to be all creepy. And if they don't, and if they don't pick up on your vibe, that's fine because you know that somebody else will. And that's what it's about, you know, using all the tools that you have. So um, number one here in the Forbes list for how to be the most likable person in the room compliment others genuinely and often. When you appreciate something about someone, whether it's how they manage a situation, their strong relationships, or a sense of self, vocalize it as often as you can. There's always something positive to find about anyone, and making others feel good when they are around you is essential to being likable. And this could be fraudulent if you don't believe it. Like in Hollywood, there's a lot of like, oh, nice haircut, blah, blah, blah. And then they turn around and you go, what's up with that bowl cut? So it's about being authentic. But if you really do think, oh, you know, Allie, you're looking, those jeans, you look great. They fit you so perfectly. That's a that's a good compliment. You know, I probably could make that creepy just because I, you know, I'm a creep. But uh, you know, there's like there's a you know there's nothing f- more free than being able to pay people a compliment. The caveat: make sure the flattery is genuine. Mindlessly affirming people for whatever you can come up with isn't effective. It seems fake and makes you seem even less trustworthy. But when you sincerely appreciate something about them, make sure you tell them absolutely so it's so it's got the ability to backfire if you aren't being truthful so so also i think you have to be aware that people will be skeptical so you have to make sure that when you tell someone some a compliment that they take it as a compliment but also go you know be sincere practice your sincerity number two ask more questions about others than you make statements about yourself oh this is a tough one for me tough one for me When you're having conversations with others, make sure that the focus is not only on you, your problems, your life, and your opinions. In fact, approach conversations with the intent that it's not an opportunity for you to unload your every grievance on another person, but perhaps a chance for you to get to know someone better, to learn something from them, or to connect in a way you haven't before. All right, I like that. I like that a lot. So that basically, to sum that up, treat instances as if you're trying to gain knowledge from someone else. Be curious in life. Number three, assume everyone has something to teach you. A great this kind of piggybacks off of the last one. A great way to ensure that you approach that you approach conversations in this healthy way is to assume that every single person you know has something to teach you because they do. Everything that exists came from the mind of another human being. If that doesn't make you awed at other people's potential, I'm not sure what would. All right, so possess that curiosity to learn from others. Number four, ask deeper questions. Instead of inquiring about someone's day or their opinion uh, or things that can be divisive or heated like politics, ask good, deep questions. Ask about what challenges they are faced, what they're most proud to be working on right now, what their ultimate goal for the future is, what personality type they'd classify themselves as. But guys, this is really solid for dating. Asking deeper questions. Um, This is, you know, the devil's in the details. If I'm on stage doing crowd work with an audience member, if the more questions I ask about them, the closer I'm going to get to something that's funny. What do you do for a living? I'm a plumber. Oh yeah, do you own your own plumbing? Or do you work for someone? Okay, nice. What part of town? What's the worst? And then the more you ask some questions, the more you get to a, the more you triangulate some depth. And I think that's the same way when you're, when you're, you know, going on a first date or in a job interview or just trying to build rapport with someone. The more questions you can ask them, just like an improv with with improv, when you ask the audience for a suggestion, you want them to be as specific as possible because the devil is in the details. And that, I mean the devil in a good way. The the solution to a lot of conversations is in the details. Communicate, ask. Number five, ask for advice. 
when you ask others for their expertise, wisdom, or guidance, you're not only potentially receiving great advice for yourself, you're also tapping into their strengths, which makes everyone feel good. Yeah, asking for advice is great. I'll do that. You know what? This sounds like fraudulent, but I'll even do that in my relationship with Tasha. Sometimes if we're like not in a good place, I'll like ask her for help. Like, honey, can you remind me how to make the spaghetti squash? And I I don't say that as a a place from emotional labor. I'll, I'll ask in a way where like, I know that if she helps me, she'll feel like she's participating and she'll feel like she, you know, she's of service. And maybe the spaghetti squash was a weird one. But there's plenty of times when like, you know, Tasha's way better at sewing. So I'll be like, babe, can you help me sew this button back on? I ripped this button off accidentally because I'm getting fat. And she'll, uh, and, you know, if she has the time or whatever, she'll be like, yeah, absolutely. And then she'll do it. And I'll be like, oh, this looks great. You're so good. Thank you so much. Like positive reinforcement, you know, and all that. Number six, if you're in a negative emotional place, remove yourself. If you're absolutely incapable of putting aside your feelings to spend time with others, remove yourself from their presence. While it's true that you need a support system to lean on in times of need, it is also true that consistently unloading all of your emotional distress on others is the fastest way to push people away in ruined relationships. Lean on a close, selected few people when you really need to, but be mindful that your attitude and energy will influence whether or not others want to spend time with you. And if you are constantly bringing everyone down, it will absolutely turn some people away. That's so true. Everyone's been there. We've been in a breakup and you just like... You're just so emotionally draining. Um, I've had literal people running away from me when I'm like, please help me. You know, you just got to be, you got to know to get out of your own way and not expose others to your own radioactive low energy when it comes. You So it's like that old, you know, air, airplane thing where, when, you know, when the oxygen mask falls down, you got to put it on yourself before you can put it on somebody else. Because if you try to put it on somebody else before you put it on yourself, you might pass out. Then you're both, you know, done. Stop trying to impress. This is a tough one. You do not need to make others envy and awe over who you are and what you've done. This does not foster connection. Instead, share with them who you are, what you care about, what you hope for, and what you think about interesting subjects. This will help people get to know who you are, not just what you've accomplished on the outside. That's a tough one for me. I feel like I'm always sneaking, um, what do they call it, um, uh, sneaking uh like credibility into conversation you know i'm always feeling like if i haven't seen like a lot of times when when you see you know fellow stand-up comics like we haven't seen each other in a while because the pandemic and you know we're all kind of like on our own path so you might not see people for months and then when you do catch up it's like how you been what you been up to there's always this desire to like tell people what you've been doing and i don't think that's really needed like i don't think other people care so much so that's that, the whole like tr- stop trying to impress. That's something I think I need to personally work on maybe the most out of all of this. So it's like the idea of like, let my, let my actions speak for myself. I don't need to tell you what I've been up to. You'll see it. You'll feel it. That's a tough one. Let me know what you guys think about that one. Let me know. Let me know which of these you, you are working on and which, you know, resonate the most with you. Because if you, you know, if you're not good at one of these things, lean into that lean into why ask yourself questions like why do i like like all right i'll I'll, like like why do i feel the need to impress others what sort of insecurity do i have like fraudulent is it because i have a business degree and then now i'm working in entertainment and i don't feel like i'm qualified is it because i don't feel like uh i'm not working hard enough or whatever what's the insecurity within me that makes me want to feel like i have to constantly impress others with things number eight but also don't downplay your successes 
At the same time, if you've done something impressive in your life, trying to underplay it or act overly humble is the wrong move. It ends up looking like you think so much of yourself you couldn't bring yourself to be honest about it with those who are beneath you. Speak clearly, concisely, and directly about what you've done and why you're proud of it. People will respond warmly if you're genuine. All right, I like that. Be genuine. Don't be apologetic for your successes. That's what that one is. Number nine, stop complaining. Complaining is not a social tool and you should stop using it as such. I feel like complaining is like bad breath. You don't know how bad it is because it affects the other person more. So sometimes we'll find ourselves complaining about everything. I've got friends that, that I'm that way with where I'll, I have like close friends, like even my buddy Channing, where I feel like sometimes I'll just go to him to vent. Same thing, I'll go to my mom to vent. And I have to understand like, no, 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 let's not complain. Like, let's find the positives. Get something off my chest, but don't always put it on somebody else's. If you complain to bond with others or lean on it as a conversation piece when you don't have anything else to say, you need to diversify your interests or get new friends. Wow. Wow, that's an interesting one. We've all got that friend that we lean on complaining. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what's hard because with stand-up comedy, a lot of good comedy is built on complaining about things. Man, the traffic is ridiculous. Do you see these guys? You know, whatever the stupid thing is. So that's interesting. We're almost done here. Mirror body language and speech patterns. A really important part of getting others to like you is making them understand that you are one of their kind. You can do this by mirroring their body language or picking up on slight speech shifts in terms that they use and using them as well. This will not only help you be better understood, it will also, it will allow others to feel more calm and at home in your presence. It will help them open up. You know, uh, an interesting way to do this is... Um, in certain social settings where, where I do stand-up comedy, I'll swear more than others. If I'm at a blue-collar bar, I might try a dirtier joke because I want to set the tone like, hey, we're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're, we're not going to keep things PC over here. We're going we're gonna, to uh, pretend like we're all... Like, I'm going to talk to you guys as if you're my closest friends. I'm going to open up to you guys. And that's like a, that is a sort of body language that I'm giving off. Like, hey, we're in this together. You know, versus, uh, versus um, the opposite, which would be like you know, distancing yourself from someone else will never appear likable. It's, it's like the old, like, you know, it's like the old boss who like rolls up his sleeves. He's got a, you know, he's got like a, a shirt and tie on, but he's getting dirty with the, with the, with the other, you know, it's like that kind of like, all right, I can, I, I, I came from the mail room too. I'll help you out. I know what I'm doing. That's how you, that's how you are likable. Instead of okay, but use, I see what you're saying and, if you find yourself caught in a challenging conversation about a sensitive topic, use the and not but rule. Instead of invalidating or canceling out what someone is saying, honor their opinion by shifting your language to suggest that you understand where they are coming from and would like to offer even more to possibly consider. Absolutely. Number 12, be honest about your needs and boundaries. Many people fear being straightforward, but ironically, the more clear you are, the better it is often received. If you only have a few minutes to talk, express that immediately. If you need more alone time than other people, say that. Don't go out if you don't want to stay in. Don't stay in if you want to go out. Be more authentic with your boundaries, and you'll find that your relationships go more smoothly just because you aren't constantly bent out of shape trying to meet other people's needs. A very tough one for me. Very tough one for me, being honest about your needs and boundaries uh, as a people pleaser. This one must go with the other one. What's the other one? Uh, stop trying to impress. That goes with stop trying to impress. 
because um because it's just like the all I'm trying to do is impress. All I'm trying to do is make uh, you know it's like the show survivor i'm just trying to chop wood and go fishing so people think that i provide value to the team that's how i feel like i am in relationships always ditching my things for others that's the true plight of a codependent and in my relationship it's tough you know like i was going to work out yesterday at 2:30 p.m. i was going to work out before my live stream that's what i was going to do i was going to get you know which might not sound like a lot but i haven't been working out lately so i was like i'm going to give this time to myself to go sweat do some push-ups this and that and then tasha was like oh i'm done from work early can you help me with so- such and such and i'm like yes i can help you cuz i feel like i'm the giving tree sometimes and and i'm sure if i didn't have the time I would hope she would be accepting of that, you know, but I had, but I was able to push off my stuff and I don't know if I was doing a great job of setting my boundaries that I needed for my health. Cause like everything else, when it comes to this, you know, being likable, you got to be in a good place yourself or else you're just going to be pushing a lot of weight onto other people. So that's what it all comes down to. And um, with that said, I'm going to keep the episode there. I want to thank you guys so much on the for the audio listeners, man. It's been a crazy year. You know, we've lost a lot of listeners, uh, I would say primarily because, for two reasons. We haven't been able to do in-person interviews because that's just not, that just hasn't been safe. We've done a couple on the roof of the old place where we, you know, spread out and we're going to do them at the new place once we get this, this setup going. But, you know, because of that, it's been hard to just have fresh ideas. You know, Tasha and I, we have nothing new going on within our personal lives. Like we talk, we talk to each other all day long. You know, we, we, it's, we, we bore the hell out of each other. The fact we've been able to survive a pandemic has just been insane. Let me know how you guys are doing with it all. Uh, send me a, you know, a DM on Instagram at Daniels because um, it's been tough on people. It's been tough for single people. It's been tough on relationships. We've had everything thrown uh, for a loop. And then also, you know, a lot of people just haven't gone, been going to work, so they don't listen to as many podcasts. We probably lost about 40% of our commuters because of that. And, you know, after six years of building something up, I feel like I lost half of it. And uh, again, I'm not complaining just to complain. I'm just saying I appreciate those that have stuck around. You guys have been true faithful, and I appreciate y'all so much. If you did want to watch and support this, you can go to the Patreon, patreon.com slash the sap. We've got over 100 different posts on Patreon that you can unlock with a simple monthly five, eight, twelve, or fifty dollars. Really, any any level will get you most of the content. There's just different tiers for the people that are being different levels of generous, and I appreciate it so much. Uh, one of the next investments I want to get for the channel is a little. Um, they make these little video splitters, so I can have two or three different cameras, or actually four cameras going at the same time. And then I can click each button depending on who's talking and it'll cut right to them. What I do now, which you guys wouldn't know the difference when I do a video episode is I'll just, I will just edit it in post-production, but that can literally take hours to do. So this will be a way for me to just shoot and edit things on the fly as I'm in a conversation. And I'm just telling you guys that because the Patreon members have been the people that have supported uh, monetarily, which has provided new equipment like this beautiful microphone I'm using, a Shure SM7B. I mean, you know, like I can't believe that I my other microphones are like six years old. I haven't invested in new microphones in a while, and um, this is a four hundred dollar uh, dynamic industry standard 
uh, microphone that I'm using with my Rodecaster Pro. And I say that because all of these things that I've been able to buy to help me better tell my story are because of you guys out there and your sort of trust in the podcast and in the voice and all that. And I appreciate you guys so, so much for that. Uh, this Thursday, I am launching my uh, vlog channel. So it's going to be called Dave Neal Vlogs. I will post a link to that below. If anyone wants to check out the new vlogs, we're going to be sharing the new apartment setup, the house hunting. Uh, pretty soon we'll be doing wedding planning. So we'll be making vlogs about that and stand-up comedy and everything else we have going on in life. So anyway, folks, I want to thank you guys so much for sticking around. Thank you for uh, your patience in me. And um, we are back to regularly scheduled episodes. So I will see you guys next time. Spread that love. Spread that warmth. Spread that confidence. Bye, everybody. Bye.